Welcome to another episode of You Are Not A Frog, how to stay calm and focused in the face of uncertainty. And in this episode, I'm joined again by Dr. Caroline Walker, who is an NHS psychiatrist and the joyful doctor. Throughout the coronavirus crisis, we've been doing a series of podcast episodes for healthcare professionals and other professionals on the front line, all about how we can cope during the crisis. And in this episode, we talk about what just happened. We talk about the collective anger that many of us have been feeling and many of us feel that maybe is now starting to be directed at us. We chat about various strategies to manage ourselves in our own uncertainty. And these strategies include being grounded and staying in the present moment and staying in our zone of power. That's working out what is it that we can control and then leaving all the stuff that we have absolutely no control over. And then, of course, most importantly, staying connected with our families, with our colleagues and with our friends. Caroline has many words of wisdom that she's sharing with us through this episode. And if you'd like to reflect a little more about how you're going to approach these next few months, then do download our free Stop, Start, Continue checklist tool. The link is in the show notes and this will help you reflect on the little things that you can do to make big changes for yourself and stay strong and stay resilient through the very uncertain future we've got ahead of us. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, doctors and other busy professionals in high stress jobs. Even before the coronavirus crisis, many of us were feeling stressed and one crisis away from not coping. We felt like frogs in boiling water, overwhelmed and exhausted. But this has crept up on us slowly, so we hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. And let's face it, frogs generally only have two choices. Stay and be boiled alive or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog. And that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more options than you think you do. It is possible to be master of your own destiny and to craft your life so that you can thrive even in the most difficult of circumstances. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP, turn executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I work with doctors and other organisations all over the country to help professionals and their teams beat stress and take control of their work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control to survive and thrive in our work and lives. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back. And that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash getyourlifeback. So hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast and this time again I'm joined by Dr Caroline Walker for another episode of our Supporting Doctors series and in fact this time we're calling it Supporting Doctors and Other Frontline Professionals in High Stress Jobs because we found that we've had loads of brilliant feedback about the other episodes and they've been really helpful to people not just in healthcare but actually there's so many other places that are having to deal with huge amounts of change, dealing with customers, clients, people in 
distress. And they found all these podcasts really helpful too. So we're going to be talking about doctors, but actually I think you're going to find there's a lot of stuff that's very applicable to other high stress professions as well. So first of all, let's introduce ourselves. Caroline, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Dr. Caroline Walker. I'm an NHS-based psychiatrist and therapist, and I specialise in the well-being of doctors and other high-stress professionals. Great. And I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP, turn executive and team coach. I specialise in resilience in the workplace. I'm host of the You Are Not a Frog podcast, and I also run a training course called the Shapes Toolkit for doctors and other healthcare professionals and other professionals in high-stress organisations. So that's us. So it's good to be back chatting, Caroline. How have you been? You know, I've been okay, actually. I think like many people, I've had a little bit of a nice breather and a lull over the end of the summer. But I am starting to feel that the sort of the slight bits of anxiety and stress mounting up again in the last week or two that I think I'm just picking up on in, in the doctors that I'm working with at the moment. It does feel a little bit like the lull before a storm, doesn't it? We keep getting these words, second wave, second wave. And we just, you know, I mean, I'm in a place at the moment, I'm just so relieved that my kids are back at school. Yes. Yeah, I think a lot of parents are feeling that right now. That's been a big change, but also a bit of nervousness about how long that's going to last for. And, you know, stories of summer classes being sent home already. And so I think it's by no means a completely settled back to school this year, like it would have been at other years. No, exactly. They were so desperate to get back as well. But we don't know how long they're going to be there. We don't know, you know, what's going to be happening. So there's that uncertainty. So in this podcast, we thought we'd talk a little bit about what on earth has just happened (laughs) over the last six months, just a bit of reflection and just try and unpick that a bit. But also looking forwards, actually, we are facing a lot of anxiety. I know that certainly in general practice workloads are now higher than they were even before COVID. So there's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of stuff happened this week that's brought morale right down. And we thought it would be good to talk about that. So Caroline, (laughs) What on earth just happened? I mean, WTF. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, gosh, I wish I had a good pithy answer for that. I I mean, I think we've all felt that, haven't we? It just life has been turned upside down and, and we didn't really see it coming. I think, you know, six months down the line, bits of it are startling starting to settle into a new routine I was out in a garden centre today actually and we were just commenting on how they'd taken steps to kind of you know socially distance people and put up barriers and things and they've done it in a really thoughtful way actually so it almost didn't feel different and yet there is this just perceptible difference about life at the moment isn't there everywhere you go everywhere you look you know you kind of notice if someone's not wearing a mask or if they are you know and it it just things are just that little bit different still. So I think we're in this sort of funny phase of kind of adjusting, but it's still, it's still all just a completely different life to how it felt, you know, just six months ago. Yeah. And and things have really changed again because the rule of six has just come in. And so, you know, we've had to cancel weekend plans, you know, my birthday next week, what we're going to do for, you know, it's all different. It's not nowhere near normal. No, my friend and I that met just now, we had that whole moment of, do you hug? Do you not hug? You know, and all this kind of this feeling of like, who's in your bubble, who isn't? And when you make plans, is it six people? Is it not? Is it different families? So there's that confusion element again and that uncertainty and that feeling that things are going to change fairly rapidly again, like they did in the beginning of lockdown. And that in itself can be really unsettling, you know, just as we were getting used to a few weeks where things kind of felt a little bit predictable. Now it feels again as if we're into that place where, you know, week by week, we're going to have new rules to live by. 
And in your work with sort of your, your clients that you're seeing, you know, as a psychiatrist, as a therapist, what are the predominant emotions that you're seeing at the moment? So real mixture at the moment. I think there's some, we're seeing quite a bit of burnout from people who've been really just, you know, working incredibly hard and struggling to adjust to the increasing workloads and the different ways of working. We're seeing now a bit more anxiety again as we're going into the second wave, people worried about what's to come and how they're going to manage and keep going. We're seeing some trauma, some grief. We're seeing a real mixture of things. But there is definitely this sort of just palpable sense that things are starting to heat up again. And this week, I've been particularly struck by GPs and and how much they are struggling at the moment, as you said, with the increased workload. You know, they're being overwhelmed, actually, very, very quickly from just a few weeks ago, where it was relatively a little bit calmer and quieter in GP. Suddenly, this backlog of patients coming through with really complex problems that need sorting out properly and GPs are really passionate about wanting to help with but this kind of you know inability to the system's not working fully as it would be normally so difficult to know how to be referring people on to uh, as you would normally and just too many people to be seeing all at once you know and then as you alluded to some negative press as well which just comes at the worst time like a kick in the teeth when gps we know have been working really hard throughout this whole pandemic yeah and gps have just had to well i think all frontline workers healthcare professionals whether you're in health or not have had to adapt so quickly whilst you know whilst being expected to provide the same service i mean hospitals have less beds because of the socially distanced thing yet they're still expected to meet really difficult targets so we're asked to do something that's really very hard and you know definitely gps are I think the morale is quite low at the moment because it's, you know, first of all, when the crisis hit, you can run on adrenaline, couldn't you? And then that got you so far and then it was all very difficult. And now we're in the second wave and they're just keeping on working and working and working. And so, you know, I guess with the public, I guess the feeling is perception at the beginning was like, let's clap, let's clap the NHS, let's clap the healthcare workers. And now there's almost this feeling of, of anger that the public can't get what they want or need or expect yeah which is even though I don't think that's true that might be the perception but I wondered is that part of a a natural sort of grief reaction is that what we is that what we're seeing absolutely absolutely I think people the whole nation has got a lot of pent-up emotions right now and grief takes time it isn't something that just lasts a couple of weeks it takes a few months and so I think we're seeing a whole nation who are going through a real profound sadness for the loss of the lives they had and the certainty they had and real anger anger is a really common emotion in grief and it often gets vented towards those people we feel most safe with and so you know it's bound to be people like your GP who you know you can trust they're not going to kind of shout back at you you know they're going to be able to contain that emotion and that's a lot for GPs to be carrying and for doctors to carry and essentially I think that's what we're doing we sort of carry the emotions of the nation and and what we're hearing from GPs is not only are there patients with complex medical conditions that have kind of they've maybe left a bit longer than normal but they're also bringing a whole range of emotional struggles and difficulties as well because the COVID pandemic has had such far-reaching impacts into all of our lives. That's really interesting because I think GPs it's very easy to take this anger really personally you know they're angry at me they're criticizing me I'm not looking after them in the right way 
and you take it really personally then you react badly because your chimp comes out your inner chimp comes out and then you start to be defensive and you start to be angry yourself so maybe just a bit of a recognition that actually they're not angry with you personally they're they're angry with with everything the fact that life has changed for them that they can't you know it's impossible to get exactly what they want or need and maybe just recognize yeah. that and almost yeah. picture yourself as I don't know a Teflon frying pan that things are just gonna yeah well it's interesting you should use that you talked about a, a chimp and a, and a monkey but there's a, a metaphor within GP practice that's often talked about called the naughty monkey and it's this idea that as a patient comes into you with whatever troubles they've got it's like they're carrying this naughty monkey and they kind of hand it to you for a few minutes because they're sick of carrying it and it's so difficult and naughty and then you as a GP kind of hold it for them for a little bit and try and sort of calm it down a little bit or and the important thing is that you always give it back to that patient because actually it's their monkey you know, it's not yours. And if you take on everybody's monkeys throughout the day, you end up with 15 naughty monkeys climbing all over you. You're going to be pretty broken by the end of the day. So yeah, I think it's something about just recognizing, like you say, this isn't personal. Often it's not personal. It may feel personal, but that doesn't mean it is personal. That people are often angry when they're hurt, when they're in pain, when they're scared. And actually, if we can see somebody who's angry as somebody who's scared, or somebody who's in pain, then it evokes more compassion with us and we can feel like we can help them more rather than get defensive. I think GPs and doctors in particular are very prone to what I call ORS, which is overactive responsibility syndrome. Yes. So they, they feel very responsible for everything, for the running of their hospitals, departments, practices, and for their patients. Yeah. And they have actually very little control over any of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, it's something inherent to us as people, the kind of people that are drawn into healthcare, caring for others. But it's also reinforced as we go through medical school and through our training. And there is, an, there is a certain responsibility that comes with the job, isn't there? I mean, we kind of have to take a certain level of responsibility for helping people with their healthcare problems. But I think we have to just be a little bit mindful about when that boundary is being crossed a bit too much and when we're taking responsibility for everything for how they're feeling and actually those aren't our feelings you know they belong to that person i think we can be alongside them and allow a safe space for them to put that naughty monkey down for a bit then that's all we have to do i love that analogy of giving that that naughty monkey i wish i could tell you where it came from but i've yet to find it so if anybody out there knows please let me know it's a gp thing it's definitely come from gps because i've heard it from a few gps but i've never i've never heard it before but it really (laughs) It really makes sense because we so quickly feel that that naughty monkey is our responsibility. And if we can't soothe the monkey or help it, it's our fault. But there's a lot of stuff that genuinely... The um, metaphor I find really helpful is the heavy rucksack. Because sometimes emotions feel like naughty monkeys. They feel like they're kind of all over you and it's like, oh. And other times they just feel like this weight. (laughs) And so so sometimes I think, thinking of it like a heavy rucksack, they come in carrying that heavy rucksack and you're going to help them take it off and put it down but you're not going to lift it up and carry it yourself because it's not your rucksack. So you're just going to help them to lift it off and pop it down. They feel a bit better. You feel better because hope, you know, you're helping them to feel better and you don't have to pick up that rucksack. That is a really helpful analogy. I think as well, you know, we've been, been doing a lot of work thinking with the Lead Managed Thrive course about actually only 15% of the determinants of health are due to medical care. The rest are due to, you know, yeah. inequality and yeah. where Lifestyle you live, and genetics and yeah. all, all that sort of stuff. 15% is actually really low. Yeah. 
yeah but Whereas think we kind of take a hundred percent of responsibility yeah. off to doctors in general yeah it's like we feel if we miss it it's our fault it's our thing yeah. we didn't do that but actually you know the patient has some responsibility here their family the rest of the health service yeah. the, as you say all the social elements in the background as well yeah. financial educational yeah. and all that yeah. stuff all of which has been disrupted through coronavirus so yes. people are yeah you know mental health is suffering and things are getting worse for people but still that 15 percent, it still stands and i think your doctor is a place that people feel they can come as i say it's safe mm. They feel it's safe to come and unburden themselves. And, and I think most GPs would not want to change that in a sense, because I think we do really appreciate that in normal day-to-day life, in our job, we find that really rewarding, you know, that patients trust us, that they feel they can tell us anything that we can help. Even if we can't help them directly, we can signpost them to other help, you know. But it, the problem is, is when that becomes too overwhelming and there's too much of it so you know gps who were seeing 100 patients a day last week now seeing 170 a day it's like you just can't carry that level of burden and flexibly enough to not let it kind of get to you so so if you are a doctor out there and you're struggling at the moment or another high stress professional that's struggling due to workload and burden and the level of emotional intensity please know that's quite normal right now that's what a lot of people are going through and it isn't personal to you and we're going to talk about a few things that you can do to help yourself today. Yeah, so I think it'd be good to talk about that now. And the one thing as you're talking, I'm thinking about the zone of power because, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of the shapes that I teach in my course. If you imagine a sort of a big blank screen, that's the whole of your life. And then actually just a small circle in the middle, that's the stuff that you have control over. Mm. And if you think about your patient coming to see you, well, you only have control over very small. You don't have control over where they're living and who they're living with and what they eat, (laughs) what they choose, how much exercise they do, anything like that. You have control over what you say to them and, you know, how you examine them. You have control over the questions you ask and you have probably control over what medicines you prescribe. But you don't have control over whether they then go off and take the medicines yeah so and likewise if you're thinking of the zone of power in terms of what's going on with covid and your practices and and your families you know we have no control you know Mm. by and large about how it's spreading apart from taking personal responsibility for wearing face masks and following the rules and social distancing all of that but we don't have control over government policy how they're organizing the testing (laughs) what our ccg are doing what the local hospitals are you know we we have no control over anything we have have no control over how our neighbors are behaving or what the schools are doing and that's really stressful if we're focusing on that yeah absolutely when we focus on the things we can't control we feel scared overwhelmed powerless you know when we focus on the things we can do something about we feel calmer we feel more empowered and we can think more clearly it's really really important so what do you reckon are the things that at the moment we can do something about i recommend just keeping it really simple like keep it in the day what can you do today what can you do right now like can i take a five minute walk outside and get the sun on my face can i drink some water you know can i take a break between my meetings can i actually not take on that naughty monkey that that person's just tried to give me can i just leave it here on the you know on the floor between us so it's those moment to moment basic things i think you cannot go wrong by just looking at your basic self-care at times like this 
because if we get caught up in the drama of it all and the trying to fix things and trying to we neglect those basic things we're going to struggle we're going to be more tired we're going to be dehydrated we're going to get more headaches we're going to be you know not sleeping as well we're going to be not thinking as clearly all of it goes you know so go back to basics i would say and just control what you can control with your own yourself your body you know Mm. drinking water regular Mm. meals regular rest activity exercise time with people you enjoy spending time with you know that sort of thing yeah so those well-being factors that we're constantly harping on about really really important and I think the problem is we're going to put up a challenge here and this is the challenge I'm always getting from people is that great we know what to do for well-being you know most of us know and we tell our patients what to do right yeah we don't have the time to do it I get it You'll push for time and with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops top five episodes sorry and leap into your happiest thriving self again just go to youarenotafrog.com slash quiz and I guess we have to get really honest with ourselves don't we about who's giving us permission to do it because if I think oh I'm too busy I can't I can't stop and have a drink of water then I'm not going to stop and have a drink of water but if I actually sit there and go, well, hang on a minute, who who gets to decide actually if I, you know, get to stay well hydrated or not? Well, actually I do. Mm. And actually, I think there's something here about giving ourselves permission to put ourselves first, which we really struggle to do as healthcare professionals and as people in positions of power in high stress jobs. We kind of, we really struggle to put ourselves first, but we have to, because if we don't, everything else crumbles. You know, it's like that old oxygen mask metaphor from the plane, isn't it? If you, you have to put your oxygen mask on first, because if you don't, you can't help the person next to you get theirs on, you'll have passed out. So we have to give ourselves permission and it has to come from within us because, you know, nobody else is going to give us that permission to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Start small, start small, start realistic, I would say. Don't expect yourself to be living a perfectly balanced, amazingly, you know, wonderful, well-being, full life at the moment with no, you know, negative feelings at all. But just start with something really small. Start introducing an extra glass of water or an extra five minute break. Good advice. What I've noticed that, you know, professionals who have overactive responsibility syndrome, what happens when the workload builds up is that they just work harder and harder and harder. Yeah, and, and to what they, yeah, and yeah. then I can see this in myself as well. And what you then do is, in order to make room for the work, is you yeah. stop doing yeah. those things that are so vital yeah. to be able to carry on. So I know when the workload builds up, I'm like, okay, can't do my exercise, and yeah. I can't really meet that person for a coffee, and yeah. you know, I, I, I go to bed really late, and I really need to sleep. You know, so it. So then I'm suddenly working really hard, but doing having none of my re-energizing strategies. Yeah, really, really common um, for people to let go of those areas of their life first. And work is often the last one to go. 
And this is why we see uh, doctors and high stress professionals all the time, seemingly functioning really highly because they're doing their work. They're working several hours a day every day and they're really, you know, but their lives, there's nothing else because they can't, they've lost, they're not spending time with their friends, they're not spending time with their family, they're not exercising, they're not looking after their own needs, it's doing fun things. And it feels really counterintuitive, but the first thing you need to do is just pop a little back of a bit more of that fun stuff back in. And it doesn't have to be a lot. You might work five days a week, nine to five, you might only need to put in an hour or two half hour sessions of exercise or two little half an hour chunks of spending time talking to a friend to balance out that whole week of work. You don't have to put in the equal amounts of time. Just a little bit will make a big difference. Yeah. And I always remember an analogy. It was actually a parenting class I was at. And someone got one of those polystyrene cups and she filled it with water. She was actually talking about the, you know, little children needing lots of love and affirmation. In fact, she called it their love bucket, which is lovely. But if you start to apply that to adults. (laughs) Yeah, sounds a bit wrong. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I, I, I think of these sort of love polystyrene love buckets you know it's your yeah. energy you know you've got this amount of energy but everything that comes in during day is just poking holes into this cup and your energy is just, just yeah. dissipating so every every time you see a patient or have a client yeah. yes it's lovely you know that's what yeah. we love about our jobs but yeah. it takes energy from you so this doesn't have to be bad stuff that's happening that takes energy even good stuff and stuff that you enjoy takes the energy out yeah so too if much never, of a good thing yeah yeah, if you're never filling your love bucket up <laughs> by doing those things that re-energize you, you are just going to get completely empty. And we, we forget about that. And what I do with the training, I often say to people, right, okay, I'd like you to write down the first thing that you stop doing when the workload gets too high. The first thing that, that re-energizes you that you stop doing. Yeah. So they write it down and I say, right, okay, rate that on a scale of one to three. You know, one, not particularly important. Three, vitally important for my physical and mental health and you know 99% of people rate that thing as a three I say okay right your job the one thing you do is to go and do that in the next week and then every week and every week so you know anyone listening to this podcast you write down that thing that you stop doing what is it because if you go and do it you'll find not only are you feeling better but you'll be more productive as well yeah absolutely so although you think by not doing it you're going to be able to give more to your work or whatever it is that you're overwhelmed by actually you end up less efficient and less able to do that thing whereas if you just have a little bit of that time for you yeah it makes a massive difference you become much more efficient yeah and it's not selfish either it will mean that you are better doctor better wife father mother husband friend colleague all that sort of stuff and I think it comes back to the idea of permission because actually we want to do our work I think it's because it's for other people and we find it very very hard to say well I'm going to do this one thing that is just for me doesn't really benefit anyone else it feels selfish doesn't it feel like going for that run or having that half an hour to yourself to read a book feels as if it's just for you but actually it really is for everyone else in your life as well because they all really really benefit when you're rested and you know more efficient and up to speed and able to cope more so yeah, well, I guess if, if you've got a football, and I, I haven't really thought this analogy through, so it might completely fall down. That's all right. I love an off-the-cuff metaphor. Here we are. Professional right. footballer, right, being paid lots of money. How would you feel if he didn't go and, or she, or she, female professional footballers, go the women, yeah. didn't get hydrated properly, didn't feed themselves properly, didn't train, yeah. didn't rest properly. If you're supporting yeah. that team and your team is paying them a lot of money to do it, yeah. then you actually that's part of their job looking yeah. looking after themselves so if you're a 
doctor or someone who's actually really using their brain and needing to perform at the highest and not make mistakes you're paying that person or you know that person you're being paid to keep yourself functioning and to work as well as possible yeah it's part of the Hippocratic Oath now as well just a few years ago they changed it to include a duty to look after our own well-being so vital and I think what's happening at the moment is the equivalent of a footballer being asked instead of doing a 90 minute match we want you to play for three hours Mm. without stopping for a break in the middle yeah I mean I I think they would have some thing to say about that wouldn't they (laughs) they'd be like well no (laughs) first of all I'm gonna get more and more tired so I'm gonna get you know less and less good at the football thing (laughs) as time goes on they would just not do it they would just say okay if we need to play three hours of football how can we how can we make sure we're at our peak fitness to do that as a team how can we get together and structure our breaks structure our nutrition to be able to play for three hours as opposed to 90 minutes and and that's what we've not really had the time to do as healthcare professionals and as people across all sectors actually Mm. with covid it's happened so quickly it's just it's happened before we've had chance to adapt and we are incredibly adaptable we are incredibly quick and we have done amazing things over the last six months. So we will catch up with it. But right now it feels like another of those times where the changes are coming a little bit quicker than we can keep up with. Yeah. And so even more important that we just really protect those basic self-care elements. Yeah. So I love what you just said. In fact, the analogy works, which I'm very pleased about. That <laughs> if a footballer was going to be asked to do a three-hour match, yeah. they, they might say, okay, I, I could do that, but I'm going to need a break every yeah. half an hour to do that I'm going to need extra hydration right I'm going to need to talk to my trainer to get me fit for that we're going to have to have a bigger squad so we can sub in you know that yeah yeah bigger squad yeah really important yeah they would make and and I'm going to have to run a little bit slower because if I'm going to run for three hours as opposed to an hour and a half I'm going to have to pace myself differently whereas what we do as doctors and healthcare professionals and typically as human beings actually is we just go oh I'll just speed up Mm-hmm. I'll just speed up speed up speed up speed up but the point is we have a limit <laughs> and, yeah. and often we will have to get to that point where we're about to break before we will actually do anything about yeah. it and this is why I think it's so important to go no do you know what I'm not going to wait until I break I'm going to do something now I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to cap my patient numbers at this or I'm going to you know make sure I have that half a day off every week and I rigidly protect that for myself because I need that yeah, and giving yourself permission and I'm going to turn off my computer at a certain time, even yeah. if I haven't done all my tasks. Yes, 100%. Leave things unfinished, please. That's one of my top, top tips is get comfortable with leaving things unfinished. We are such finishers. We're such perfectionists. We don't like leaving jobs on the to-do list. We don't like leaving letters half written. We'd rather stay a few more minutes and just finish it off. It's so dangerous because doing one five minutes here turns into a half an hour there turns into an hour every day turns into and before you know it you've got what you just described beautifully earlier which is somebody who's living half a life you know they're working they're not living yeah so look after yourselves it's part of your job you're your number one asset as you say Rachel yeah yeah. so what other strategies would you suggest for people as we look forward into this time of real uncertainty I think I'd go back and just reiterate those ones that we used early on in the lockdown. So things like, as you said, focusing on what we can and can't control in this moment. 
And a really powerful way to do that is to bring yourself, your body and your brain and your, your soul back into this moment. And doing that just in a few seconds by doing something like a simple breathing exercise. So I think we've talked about box breathing before, where you can imagine breathing around the outsides of a box. We could do a box breath now. In fact, it always calms me down. It's lovely. And then let's do it. So you breathe in for four along one side of the box and then you hold for four along another side and then out for four and then hold for four. Even just once round can feel Gosh, the whole body just slows down and thinking clears. It's lovely. And that's something you can do anywhere, anytime, because nobody needs to know you're doing it. You can do it at the bedside, you can do it in between patients, you can do it in the middle of a podcast, yeah. anywhere, anytime. It's brilliant. And that, that works by activating your parasympathetic system. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're just going to do one breath, it's not going to give you, you know, you maybe want to do a few rounds, do a few squares if you really want to get into that state. But yeah, essentially, it's just slowing down your heart rate, slowing down your breathing rate. It just puts, switches your body into kind of calm rest mode as opposed to fight and flight mode. So I just want to, we've only got a few minutes left, but I'd like to ask you about how we take control of our thinking because a lot of us are getting ourselves really stressed and anxious looking for thinking what's going to happen when's the second wave going to hit us are the schools going to close what's going to happen with the economy oh my goodness we are completely screwed and I always talk about my friend who's a mindfulness teacher always says you know Rachel you've got to be more gazelle and you know what does that mean well a, a gazelle is eating grass and the lion comes along and the gazelle's amygdala goes oh threat there's a lion the gazelle runs off you know they're in their fight flight or freeze zone but they they decide to fly so they run yeah. off the lion goes and the gazelle just goes back to eating grass the threat's gone so it goes back to eating grass now yeah. i don't think i'm very much like a gazelle because i would be saying oh yeah. my goodness did you see that lion you see his hair and it's gonna be yeah. awful and it's gonna come back and what if it eats my babies overnight and i've got a mission tomorrow and i'm never gonna sleep and what if that's so i'm always sort of pre-living stuff that hasn't even happened and 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 when i'm pre-living that of course my amygdala is firing up i'm getting into my yeah. fight flight or freeze zone I'm, I'm feeling back to the corner i'm feeling really yeah. really stressed and so there's loads of stuff at the moment that we are pre-living that hasn't even happened so what on earth do we do about that well i think some of what we've said already so i think just focusing on something like a few deep box breaths will just help your physiology to calm down a bit and that will help because we know when you're you know your heart's raising your breathing really quickly you're gonna your thoughts go with it right so if we can just bring your physiology down quickly that's the quickest way to stop it if you're then finding it's really tough because you're still getting those thoughts popping in then maybe trying something like we talked about the zone of power so what am i thinking about here we, we all think right we have thousands of thoughts a day we're not going to stop our thinking so it's about okay what am i going to choose to think about well okay maybe i won't focus on the lion maybe i'll focus on what i do know that i've got some lovely grass here my babies are safe I escaped a lion today. Yay. You know, what are we going to, you know, just shifting that attention onto what we are going to think about. And if you're really struggling to work with things like that, then I think, and, it, and you're getting kind of like, you're constantly anxious and you're disturbing your sleep. You're not eating. You're just, you know, you're really not very well. 
then I would get some help because there's loads and loads and loads more strategies um, that can help with anxiety. Um, so talk to somebody, talk to your own doctor, talk to you can self-refer yourself for psychological therapies in this country through your local IAPT, IAPT. You can just Google online. There's lots of free resources out there at the moment. If you're a healthcare professional, the Practitioner Health website is fantastic. It's got lots of free apps and free therapy, free online modules, all sorts of things you can do. So I would say start with some bringing your physiology down. Then maybe think, what am I thinking about here? Could I focus on something that's going to actually make me feel calmer? Like my next or my last holiday or my next holiday, planning that maybe. Or and if that's not working, if you're still really struggling, then seek some help. So I know we talked about this before. My One of my children used to have this worry box where yeah. as soon yeah, as she started exactly. worrying, yeah. she'd write it down and she'd put it in the worry box. And then we'd, we'd look at it later. We would look at it before bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But half the time it had gone, you know, it yeah, sort of said, yeah, right, we're yeah. going to worry about it later. We're going to have a set time. Yep. And then we're shaping it, oh, I'm not worried about that anymore. And that yep. seems to really help. It's a really good strategy. And it's great for sort of the middle of the night worries as well. If you wake up and you've got something spinning around in your head and you can't kind of get it out of your head, jot it down on a piece of paper because you know you'll look at it in the morning. You're much more likely to then be able to go back off to sleep. Yeah, worry box, worry time, just setting aside a time that say, okay, at between half seven and eight tonight, I'm going to worry about those things. And every time a worry pops into your head throughout the day, you just pop it in your worry time in your worry box. You might jot it in your notes on your phone or something like that. And like you say, most of it will have gone by the time you get to that worry time and you may not be worried at all, in which case, great. (laughs) You know, you're not worried. And if not, you can have a good old worry because some worries are really important. Some worries are actually problems that we need to solve. Mm. Right. And so I think there's, it's helpful to think about that as well. You know, is this a real worry? like a real right now problem that I need to solve or is this kind of just an imaginary worry that I'm making up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So a lion coming at you about to eat you, real worry. (laughs) Worrying about whether a lion's going to eat you tomorrow is an imaginary worry. Yes. Yeah. So just kind of trying to work out which is it. And there's a really good book called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris, which is based on acceptance and commitment therapy, which I found really helpful because yeah, it's this, real imaginary worry if it's a, a real worry then rather than worrying about it you commit to an action yeah you commit to actually do something doing something about, about it. it yeah and then if it's something that you're just ruminating on well actually yeah. you can choose whether you're going to he calls it fusing with the thoughts and that mm. was really helpful for me whenever difficult thoughts popped in and there were three things you can say first of all oh I'm thinking this yeah or then you can say oh I'm having the thought that this yeah. Even more detached, I noticed that I'm having the thought that yeah. that person is being really difficult. And yeah. once I started to get to that, I noticed I'm having the thought. It's like, right, well, I'm just going to not carry on. I'm not going to fuse with that. I've had the thought. Yeah. That's fine. I'm just going to think about something else. I'm not going to fuse with it. So it's choosing whether I need to fuse with it and make that thought mine and keep hold of it or not. Because thoughts are not facts. Mm. Thoughts are just thoughts. I can have a thought right now about a pink elephant riding on a bicycle. There is no oh pink God, elephant riding on a bicycle right now, but it's a thought. It can feel very real. So, oh, am I going to get coronavirus? Will it, you know, will it kill me? Are my family going to be okay? It can feel really real, but they're just thoughts. Mm-hmm. Not real. Yeah. Gosh, so a few things there. Stay in your zone of power make sure you put on your own oxygen mask first and yes. you know make sure you have permission to take a little bit of time for you no matter how busy things are getting it's even more important that you do that little bit of something for you 
Do some grounding exercises in the present moment. Ask yourself, what is it I need now? And if you're struggling to get out of this at all, then get some help. There's so much help out there. We don't need to do it on our own. And I think that's my number one tip for the next few months is Mm. let's stay connected in this. Let's stay together in this because we're not going through this alone. I'm not the only doctor that's carrying this burden at the moment. You're not the only doctor. I'm, you know, whichever, whoever you are, you're not the only person that's carrying what's going on right now. We can carry this together. Deal with all these naughty monkeys together. Yeah, yeah they're <laughs> not ours. To hold Give on. your naughty monkey to someone else for a bit. Yeah. yeah. And, even, and even if you don't feel ready to seek professional help, reach out to your mates. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We are still able to go for a drink with people yes. in a socially distanced yeah. way. And that is just really important. Get things off your chest. Yeah. yeah, I had a coffee with a friend this morning who's a mum and we talked about some mum stuff and it really helped. It was just okay i'm not the only one it's normal you know mm. really important brilliant caroline thank you that's been really helpful for me they've got several things i've written down i'm going to go and, and do straight away so if people want to get in touch with you how could they do that uh, they can reach me at the joyful doctor so caroline at joyfuldoctor.com or we're on across social media as the joyful doctor great okay well thank you and we'll we'll do another episode soon great. lovely bye bye for now Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. Please subscribe to my You Are Not A Frog email list and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it, then please leave me a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. So keep well, everyone. You're doing a great job. You got this.